0: So Money Episode Seven Fifty Six. Nick Sapinero, co-founder of the Divi Project.
1: You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a thirty-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money.
0: We're talking about Bitcoin on So Money today. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Farnush Tarabi. Remember when Bitcoin surged to over $10,000, dollars per coin? I've always been a bit skeptical of the hype. I don't own any cryptocurrency, full disclosure, um when people ask me for advice on the situation i usually will say that i consider it to be like any other alternative investment and that means invest what you can afford to lose and don't bet the house you know but i'm open minded about the possibilities of a more crypto focused financial system. I think that there are merits to it. And our guest today, I wanted him to come on the show because I wanted to visit this again. I mean, we've done a couple of episodes now on the whole Bitcoin crypto situation. And Nick Saponero is really at the forefront in many ways. He is the co-founder of a company that's bringing cryptocurrency education to the masses. The Divi Project is also developing a new cryptocurrency and blockchain. And his team has created a unique digital Digital wallet to actually hold what they call their Divi coin. And he says it's as easy to use and as convenient as PayPal. So if you've ever wanted to own digital currency or you want to earn an income, in fact, by using your computer as part of a blockchain, because that's also part of what he is bringing to market you'll wanna listen to this episode. But I also wanted to bring Nick on the show because outside of the cryptocurrency market and his job as a co-founder in this industry, he is an internationally sought after DJ people. Yes, I know, right? And so obviously I had a lot of questions about this and just want to say sorry in advance because uh, Nick's audio for some reason got a little echoey at times. And it wasn't something that we realized during recording. It was only in post. And we tried to level it out. And hopefully it won't be an annoyance to you. But if you do notice something, know that I know and I'm sorry. And uh, hopefully we can avoid this in the future. But it is worth listening to. And if it gets really annoying... We have the transcript over at SoMoneyPodcast.com where you can at least read this interview. Would love to hear what you think. Here we go. Here's Nick Sapinero. Nick Saponero, welcome to So Money. Ready to talk crypto?
1: Sure am. Thanks, Thanks. for having me on.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, you know, it's no secret to my audience that we are a little bit on the fence when it comes to cryptocurrency. A lot of us, frankly, don't have You know, the disposable income to be investing in this aggressively. There is curiosity, if I may speak for our audience. We're curious about it. We obviously have heard about it. And I have done some podcast episodes dedicated to, like, what is crypto? Uh, You know, is it just a trend? Is it just um, something that we're going to look back in history as a blip on the radar? Or is this something that we really have to reconcile with? And the more we learn about it, the better. And I'm more of the in the camp that. The technology is definitely fascinating. And I think that this concept of decentralizing the, the financial system, there is some there is some merit to that, though we're still very much, I guess if you're looking at the history of this, like in the early days. And anyway, I wanted to bring you on because you're clearly at the forefront of all of this. And your big goal currently is to bring kind of crypto literacy to the masses, and you've launched this very interesting campaign project called the divi project so we'd love for you to start maybe there and tell us what is it and and then this kind of big puzzle piece of crypto of the crypto history like where does it fit in
1: as you said uh we started the divi project we just launched it yesterday and what divi is is basically an ecosystem it's a cryptocurrency ecosystem that aims to take the sort of jargon and um if you will geekiness out of cryptocurrency and make it more accessible to the average everyday consumer, um, which we believe is inherently difficult yet extremely important if we want to reach that critical mass of usage.
0: Why is it so hard to, to use your words? Why is it so difficult?
1: so it's difficult because i mean think about what it is it's it's cryptocurrency right cryptography is as i said inherently difficult uh to extrapolate right so and as it stands today most of the technologies are being built by people who have a very deep understanding of how it all works so bridging the gap between that uh, you know that deep understanding, and someone who maybe is only familiar with apps like PayPal or Venmo uh, can be quite the challenge. But I think one that we're up to.
0: Critics would say part of the reason why crypto has not really gotten to a point of mass adoption is because financial institutions are not ready to really get behind this. It's a unregulated system. This blockchain is unregulated, and and frankly, crypto. Um, advocates would say, look, it's super secretive. Like you, no one's identity, it's very protective of your identity, which is great. But from my understanding, isn't like every transaction, like I would get a code or or, or a number or some sort of identification that is secretive and, and mine only that is exclusive to me um, that would represent all of my transactions in this blockchain. But as soon as somebody finds out what that is, then my whole history is exposed. And for financial institutions, that's a huge risk. Everything they're trying to put their money towards is combating fraud and protecting people's identity. And so I've heard from critics that like the reason cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and all the others have yet to reach um, mass adoption is because institutions, big institutions, which really drive markets, see this, get worried, and they're not willing to play the game what would you say to that
1: i think you're definitely right that the big institutions are afraid of this technology for multiple reasons one it is honestly kind of a threat to their business model um because we're we're used to a bank you know fdic insuring our funds and keeping it safe um but really what what you're doing when you're putting your money in a bank is you're you're giving the bank your money the bank actually owns your account of course you're guaranteed that money. Um, and whereas cryptocurrency, you're the bank. You own, as you said, your public and private keys. And that gives you full control over your finances. That said, I think another big reason that the financial institutions and bigger uh, tech companies and such have yet to fully embrace cryptocurrency and blockchain is because of the regula- regulatory landscape. right? So, But that's changing. Um, the SEC has definitely taken notice, at least in the United States. Other countries are already embracing the technology and beginning to um, manufacture regulations around it. It's going to come down to, before I say this next part, I agree with you uh, that these large institutions are market makers, right? That without them, you're not going to see a, a push in one direction or the other uh, or not a major one. Because of that, I think that it's important that we work together. I personally, I'm not one of those people that is like, I want to bring the government and the banks down. Um, Of course, you're going to find those people. I am more in the sense of let's comply and let's find a way where we can incorporate this amazing revolutionary technology Mm -hmm. into what you guys have to give you guys more security uh, for your customers and just the – the facilitation of uh, faster and uh, more secure transactions, like wire transfers, take days, and you know they're going through all these different intermediary parties. Where as a cryptocurrency transaction could go cross border in seconds.
0: So back to Divi Project. Um, you said you launched just hours ago, more or less. Um, so what is Phase One of the Divi Project, and how can, can how can our listeners experience it?
1: Yeah. So yesterday, as you said, uh, we we launched. It's our main network, and that includes a masternode system, which is basically a program that allows for the security and verification of transactions through our smart wallet. Right now, the smart wallet is available on desktop, and we'll have it on iOS and Android in the next two weeks uh, to a month.
0: What's the experience like? Like, t- walk us through it.
1: We try to. Eliminate some of that obfuscation of, you know, the long, long addresses and public keys that you may have seen. If you have you ever used Bitcoin personally?
0: No, negative.
1: Okay, so when you send a Bitcoin transaction right now, uh, it's a little bit complex. Your the address that you're sending to is this crazy string of numbers and letters. So we've taken that, we have put it in the background, and you can now use just a regular old username and password uh, combination just like you would with you know paypal or venmo but of course there's more to the system than that the masternodes are really i think where the true benefit of our ecosystem come into play and as i said a masternode is essentially a way of securing and verifying transactions on the network so it's a computer program that you would download on your computer Um, you run it and as a reward for helping us secure and verify those transactions, you get a little bit of Divi, uh, which is our token, our coin, and our ecosystem. So uh, I can give you an example. When you send a PayPal transaction, what's happening is you're sending uh, money basically to PayPal. PayPal then verifies and authenticates that you have enough money in the account, you're not you know, committing some crime, <laughs> by sending this money and they decide that it can go to the merchant and the merchant pays a small fee to PayPal. So rather than paying the, the small fee to PayPal, um, the people that are running this program get the fee.
0: Last question about crypto and the ecosystem is like, where do you predict we will be in 10 years as far as the advances in crypto and the way that we're using it and who's adopting it? and? Like what, what kind of a financial system do you imagine in 10 years or maybe even sooner? Maybe I'm like talking dog years here, but like, okay, five years.
1: (laughs) Well, no, I think, I think five to 10 years is a solid timeline. I think it's realistic. It's conservative. Um, you know, it's going to take some time, much like the internet took some time to get to the point where we really trust it with everything. Um, almost probably to a fault sometimes if we're being honest, right. Um, but so, yeah, I think to reach that point of critical mass is going to take some time. Um, but where do I see it in 10 years? I, I really do believe that most of our transactions will be using cryptocurrency of some kind, even if that means, you know, the, that USD, you know, our, the current currency that we use all the time, cash is just digitized. I don't see why we've digitized every single other thing in our lives, um, except money. <laughs> so well, it's, we've, it's we digitize
0: the transactions. I mean, we pay everything online if that counts. We don't have digital currency necessarily, but like when was the last time you used a dollar bill?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, of course, we're still carrying, some of us still carry around cash. and you, you could even make the argument that debit cards are, uh, you know, sort of a form of that, mm-hmm. uh, of digitizing it. Um, but you're still losing out on the security end. As the technologies grow and the scalability increases past the point of what even Visa can handle, we're going to see that it is actually a better alternative and a more secure alternative to the current system.
0: Well, time will tell. And while we have you, I have to ask you about your other life as a DJ. Um, We did a little LinkedIn snooping and we found that you also have (laughs) DJ, producer, producer, and performer on your LinkedIn profile. And so tell us about this other very interesting part of your life and what, I mean, do you see parallels or is it just like you needed like a technical out of your creative, (laughs) your creative life?
1: Um, You know, I've always kind of been a nerd um, ever since I was a kid. and. Despite what, how cool DJs may look on stage, uh, they're just nerds. You know, we just like playing with computers and making songs and stuff like that. Uh, so is I think it as hard awesome.
0: as people make it out to be DJing or is it okay, just pressing so, buttons? <laughs> no, I'm not, am so, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm not, no, no, it's, it's valid. That, it's
1: totally valid. No, d- DJing is not actually that, that difficult, but c- producing music is definitely more of a, uh, difficult skill set to master. Mm. Um, and they're very different things. And I initially got into music as a producer. Um, I was running a music studio in Philadelphia for a little while before I moved to California to try to pursue um, some more of the performance aspect of it. So no, to answer your question, no, DJing is not that hard, but making music is, and that's really the important part.
0: So what were, where were you in your life when you decided you wanted to make this transition? And it doesn't sound like you've abandoned your music life and your creative side. But what um, inspired you to pursue the Divi project? And uh, what was it about your creative side that was not fulfilling enough?
1: You know, I was following crypto for quite some time before I got into Divi. Um, even when I was DJing, I was very interested in the space I've been trading it for um, three or four years now and studying it for even longer than that, you know, just reading about it. And I got this opportunity to work on this project uh, through a friend of mine uh, who introduced me to it. And, you know, I just see this industry as such a big opportunity for change um, that I may not get to see again in my life, especially not my, my young life, my young adult life. So I wanted to take the opportunity to maybe possibly affect some change in this world.
0: Think about the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself with no tools needed or they can do it for you. And it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit SimplySafe.com slash money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash money. Tell me about your background. I want to get into some of our money questions, as we do with all of our guests. So yeah. take us back to your upbringing. Like, what kind of a, what kind? I mean, you're an entrepreneur, create obviously, and you have a creative, um, you've creative tendencies. You, you're you're very much like a passion project kind of guy, and I really love that. Where did it come from? Did you grow up knowing that you? I mean, my parents would have never let me become a DJ. Um, <laughs> Absolutely not, I was not allowed to be anyone creative. I had to be someone who was gonna like go out there or get a job and pay the bills and I've pivoted a little bit since that, but you know my childhood was there was a lot of emphasis on getting an ROI and everything that you do um so I want to know I want to know what was childhood like for you and what kind of education did you have around money and work? 50% of parents have had a money conversation with their kids, according to Chase Slate, our sponsor. So, just wondering, what was your money story growing up?
1: Yeah, so, you know, my mom was single growing up, um, and my, my parents were divorced really early on. So, I definitely watched her as a um, strong, independent black woman just trying to make it with a kid. Um, I saw her. Struggle, and I saw her succeed, and I think that had a large influence on how I sort of view um, money and savings and stuff like that. She was always very prudent with her money, and she taught me a lot about. She, she was one of those parents who had a money conversation with me. My dad's very prudent as well. You know, he's always talking about getting a Roth IRA, and you know, you have to you have to put away for retirement stuff. One? But
0: do you have a Roth I IRA? do. Good, good. I good. do
1: at his behest, um, <laughs> but. At the same time, while they were both very educated people and very um, prudent with their money, they were also, they also allowed me the freedom to pretty much pursue whatever I wanted, Um, you know, and they were very encouraging and supportive uh, to some degree. Some things were less supportive than others, of course, over the years. But um, I think that just openness and freedom to explore different things is really important for young people. And if you don't sort of dip your toe in various different pools, you may not find that thing that's really your passion.
0: Mm. Do you think you found your passion?
1: You know, I'm one of those people who I feel like I have a lot of different passions. I love what I do right now for Divi. You know, I'm a programmer um, and it's afforded me some of the most incredible opportunities I've ever had, Uh, you know, talking to people like yourself and, um, you know, just spreading the word about something I'm passionate about, but also with music, you know, music is, will always be a passion for me, whether I do it professionally or just as a hobby. Um, you know, I've gotten to share my music all over the world and I just get something out of that. That's hard to explain.
0: What has it been like supporting yourself financially as somebody who works in the creative space, music, while it sounds like you're super talented, you've gotten a lot of opportunities, but in the beginning, I'm sure it wasn't always so consistent. So take us to where things weren't consistent and you were just trying to make it in this career as an artist. How did, it, how did you make ends meet?
1: Yeah, I remember one of my initial like mentors uh, who was teaching me how to produce music said, you know, you don't get into music to make money. <laughs> and he was he was serious about that. Um, so I, I always had little odd jobs. I mean, in the very very beginning, I just had a regular job. I was selling cell phones for T-Mobile <laughs> and um, you know until I could, started to get my chops and I was getting more consistent gigs and doing um, and running the studio, of course back then. And you know you you kind of live by the seat of your pants a little bit Did um, you get into debt. I did. Definitely. Um, I, at one point had to sell one of my cars. Um, I only had one car, but one of the cars I've owned over time, I had to sell that car and just to, you know, cover some things. And, um, honestly, up until pretty much a year and a half ago, I was, had no idea what I was going to do. (laughs) Um, it's definitely not an easy, even my most successful musician friends who play at the big festivals like e d c are not necessarily rolling in it, <laughs> if you will,
0: so do they have like a lot of you know aspiring actors we've had a lot of them on this show they talk about when they were starting out they had their um their their jobs their job jobs which was you know waitressing or um babysitting or you know something that was like sort of flexible they could go to auditions um so did you ever? Did you ever have a side gig while doing while pursuing music?
1: I sure did, um, and actually, it's what pretty much led me into what I do today. So I started learning how to develop websites um, probably a year or so into doing music full time, um, because I learned that you could pretty much throw together a WordPress site um, people and will you could sell that it. <laughs> yeah, um, time is money. Exactly, and. But over time I you know, I wanted to get that skill set a little bit more fleshed out. So I started researching and I started learning more and more and more on my own about how to actually make websites uh from hand or by hand by coding. And uh which eventually led me to enroll at UCSD uh coding boot camp where I learned and got certified as a web programmer and um you know that kind of like topped off my uh, learning, and actually, it didn't top it off. I'll, I'll never top off the learning. It, yeah. uh, it just it just helped me expand my learning and uh, and led me into being able to develop professional level websites like the one for Diddy.
0: I love that story. Okay, so if I'm if I'm hearing it correctly. You were using both sides of your brain. You were pursuing the creative industry, but you're like, you know, realistically got to pay the bills. I just sold my car. Not so, not, not great. So what skill can I learn that can have a faster return on the investment? And that was developing websites, which is brilliant. And now you can do that from anywhere in the world. You don't have to be going into an office or speak a particular language. It's it's the universal language of code and WordPress. And, yeah. um, and so what were you just starting to get opportunities left and right? And that was helping you. Um, and I'm sure that probably made you better at music because you didn't have the stress of the money quote of the money aspect of it.
1: Yeah. The more, the more you alleviate the money aspect of music, the better the music becomes. And I started to learn that. And that was really the breaking point for me saying, you know what, I think I'm okay with sort of putting that goal or that, uh, career on the back burner while I work towards this career in cryptocurrency because I can still go back. I can still make music comfortably with, you know, a clear head and, um, you're you're hundred percent right with that.
0: So going back to Divi, how much can people make as a side hustle? And um, I understand you, there's also going to be a Divi coin. What does that cost?
1: Yeah. So um, basically in crypto in general, there's a lot of different ways to try to make money. But in reality, the only sort of guaranteed way to generate more tokens is to either mine or run a masternode. Now, mining requires an insanely powerful machine that's very expensive, which makes your ROI obviously uh, hard to meet. So, masternodes are incredibly less intensive on your computer's hardware, um, meaning you can run them on just about any laptop computer. Um, So, as a side hustle, you know, I look at The way our masternodes work, almost like an alternative to driving for Uber or Lyft, where an Uber and Lyft, I mean, you're spending, obviously, of your car, spending money on gas, putting all these miles on it, wear and tear, you have to get additional insurance for driving people around, et cetera, et cetera. By the end of the day, are you even making money? It's hard to say. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, you're spending time, which in my opinion, is the most valuable resource you have at your disposal. So by putting a computer to work, yeah, you have the opportunity to uh, work without spending time, basically. <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, you're just using your computer's uh, hard hard drive, I suppose, storage. Yeah,
1: so kind of the way it works is it uses your the power cycles of your computer's processor um, to secure and verify the transactions in the network, and we do have a coin. Divi is the coin's name and we are we are on the exchanges now as of this morning, actually.
0: Congrats.
1: Thanks. Um, so, yeah.
0: When it comes to and this is my last question because I know everyone's curious, like there's so many different types of crypto now. There's um, with all different names, there's been so many as they say, uh, initial coin offerings in the last year, there's been an explosion of them. So as a as a let's say there are some people listening who have a few thousand dollars and they want to invest it alternatively in something that they know is high risk and um, they're curious about the crypto space. How do you go about evaluating a coin and and how do you can you even be diversified in this space right now if you don't have a lot of money?
1: So yeah, um, well, to start with how to evaluate it, research, 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 look at the team look at their LinkedIn's, you know, are they, do they even have the company's name on their LinkedIn? Um, what else have they done? It's really important that if you're going to put money into someone's idea, um, that you can at least to some level trust who they are and that they're able to deliver on their promises. Um, I can't stress enough how important it is to research before you put money into this industry. Um, And that said, I'm sorry, what was the second part of that question? The
0: second question was diversification. Yeah. So I know this is like an alternative investment category. So, you know, it's not that at this point, diversification is not the top thing that you have to be worried about. Uh, Although it'd be nice because that's always a good way to mitigate your risk. And so, are there like funds with these types of currencies where you can kind of get a, a little bit of everything, a little bit of a variety? Um, yes. Well, I know there yes. there are
1: some, uh, I know they're trying to get some Bitcoin ETFs through uh, on the actual stock market and such, but there, there are ways to diversify in just uh, cryptocurrency investing. I mean, for example, you can mine or run a masternode, which is essentially a hedge against actually trading or investing in coins just for the hope for profit um, because of the you know, innate volatility of this industry, you need to hedge against that, that risk. Um, and you can do that by generating more coins, uh, as such through a master right? Um, because you're generating more tokens, even if the price of the coin goes down, you're essentially dollar cost averaging against yourself, uh, for free.
0: Gotcha. And there are tons of cryptocurrencies that are like penny stocks, essentially, right? Um, yes. Which could be another way to like, if you don't have a lot of money and you want to be in the game, in the market, that's the way to do it. But where do you cash in and where do you buy and sell? And there's, there's a, what is it called, Coinbase?
1: Yeah, Coinbase. It? Coinbase is probably the most popular, at least for Americans, um, the most popular on-ramp and off-ramp to and from cryptocurrency because you can use a credit card or a debit card to purchase uh, with some limits, of course, imposed on how much. And it's hard for them. Um, You know, it's very expensive, I should say, for them to be able to do that, uh, to obtain the licensure and stuff like that to uh, offer that opportunity. I think moving forward, we'll see a lot more of that. And it's definitely something that's on our roadmap. And a lot of it also comes down to facilitating ease of use. So I know a lot of people that at the end of last year were on Coinbase, posting their Coinbase redemption codes and you know getting the extra $5, $10 or what have you. And I saw an article a few days ago that said all these people are fly- filing complaints with the SEC against Coinbase for losing money and stuff like that. And that, I think as a result of a lack of education about cryptocurrency and what the people were investing in and lack of ease of use.
0: You're passionate about this. You're, you're trying to move the needle and get us all educated on it. So we appreciate that. Thank you for coming on the show. When's your next uh, DJ gig?
1: Jeez. <laughs> um, I don't even, I don't even know at this point. Uh, you know, I've really, <laughs> I've really been so focused on Divi that, uh, you know, it's just my main focus right now. So
0: so, tell us how we can all get on the platform, if we want to.
1: So, you can go to our website, org now, and you can download the desktop app start playing around. Over the next couple of weeks, we will have a lot of educational video content coming out that will not only show you how to get involved with the platform, but how to understand and utilize crypto in the real world and within the ecosystem as well
0: all right thank you so much nick saponero
1: thank you so much thanks for having me on
0: you can learn more about the Divi Project and Nick by visiting diviproject.org, and you can also follow the team over on Twitter at Divi Project. If you missed any of this, or if you want to download the transcript or send me some direct mail, head over to somoneypodcast.com. Click on Ask Noosh and leave me your question or your comment. Let me know maybe you want to co-host, and we will be in touch soon, and I will be sure to get in touch. By the way, still enrolling applicants for our fall podcast accelerator. I've launched a So Money podcast accelerator where I'm teaching people how to launch a podcast in 12 weeks or less. So if you have goals to launch a podcast in 2019, let's do it together. Get in touch. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is So Money.